Okay. So this year is about Gamzla Tova. The main source can be the Rambam and the Parish Mishnayas in uh, Brachos, um, on the ninth parak. It's a very interesting Rambam. And it has like a practical purpose of like um, basically how to accept um, how to accept bad news. Okay, that's the, the method. Something bad happens to you. You have to accept in a happy way. And um, and the Ramam really kind of works out a way of thinking about it to accomplish that. It's not so easy to when you make a bracha dynamis on something bad that happens to do a pasimcha. Okay. So I'm just going to read the background Gemara, but I'm really going to focus most on the Rambam. So Gemara's in Brachos. <clears throat> it's on Samach Ahmed Beis. It says, um, it's Chayv Adon Levarech Al Arak Hashem Levarech Al Tov. Right? So it's towards the bottom. The Gemara says, what does that mean? Does it mean maybe you have to make, um, it's a funny half of me now, we'll come back to it hopefully. Ilema Kishen Shavar Chatova Tova Meitiv, Kachem Bar Chatova Meitiv. Maybe you'll say it means you make the same bracha, make a Tova Meitiv on bad things, just like you say it on good things. It's kind of a crazy half of me now. Something bad happens to you, you say a Tova Hatova Meitiv, right? It's already indicating what's going on here, yeah? Okay, why not? Well, What's that mean, sorry? That you make hatova meitiv on good things and bad things. Mm-hmm. Same bracha. Well, yeah, I mean, it's really hard for you to say what's good and what's bad. You're very, you see a very small picture of what's actually good and what's actually bad. Okay, good. Okay, good. That's one approach for sure. Well, I mean, it's only bad in your eyes. Whatever you're right. calling bad, you think it's very bad, subjective. Right, you have no idea that it's actually bad. Okay, very good. When you call something good, <clears throat> very good, very good. Very good. Sure? Okay. <clears throat> says that's not true though. Because on bad news, the bracha is you make you say dying MS. Right? So Amarava Okay, you have to accept it with Simcha. So you have to make a bracha when something bad happens to you. It's true you make a bar a bar dynamis, but you have to do it believe shalim basimcha. Okay, just like when something good happens, you make a tovamative and you're happy and you're excited, tovamative. So too, when something bad happens, you make a dayan emes, a simcha and belayv shalom. Okay. All right, what's the pasuk? Maikra, chesed mishpat ashir Allah. Hashem. As a, l'cha Hashem as a meira. Im chesed ashir and mishpat ashir. So either way you're singing to Hashem, whether it's mishpat, he punishes you, whether it's chesed and he's Kind to you and good to you. Either way, you're singing praises to Hashem. You're making a bracha, which is a shira la Hashem. It's a shavach. You're praising Hashem. <clears throat> and it's going to be belayv shalom. Okay. Mark quotes a bunch of other psukim. And then it says, this is the, the, uh, the Rebbe Kiva story. V'chein. Amr v'unam rab mishim remeir. V'chein tana mishmei the Rebbe Akiva. L'olami adam ragalama koldav rechman l'tavavet. Person should accustom himself to saying whatever Hashem does is always for the best. Here's the story of Rikiva. It's a very famous story. He's traveling on the road. So he got to um, like a city and he was looking for a place to stay and they didn't have any places. The hotel was all fully booked. So he said, okay, there's no hotels, no vacancies. Whatever God does it's for the best, it's, for the, it's good. It's a good thing. Okay, so you end up sleeping in the field, right? And he had with him a, a rooster and um, a donkey and a candle. 
okay? A rooster, a donkey, and a candle. Sounds like a joke almost, right? Okay. So wind came and it blew out the candle. And then a cat came and ate his, his rooster. And then a lion came and ate his donkey. Okay. Rough night. Okay. <laughs> Rough night. We'll see. Omar, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, you, you know the story. You know the story. Uh, that's a pretty famous story. He says, Koda Rahmana Tava. You've heard it, no? You've all heard the story, no? Oh, it's great. Says it's great, amazing. He says, everything that Hashem does is for the best. Okay. Um, Babylai that very night. So Asagaisa Shavimasa. So a uh, bunch of mercenaries of uh, you know troops came uh, and they took the entire city captive. Okay, and hire all the people in the city. So Amahutsu, he said to his companions, um, he says, uh, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that everything God does is for the best? He says, Rosh is, if the, if the candle was lit, then the troops would see him, and they would have, um, if the donkey was alive, it would have, would have uh, prayed. Excellent. Would have made noise. Okay, and if the uh, rooster was around, um, then they would have they were for the rooster, uh, you know, do right? And obviously, if he had been staying in the hotel, he would have been taken captive with everybody else, right? So, he told you everything God does is for the best. Who could have known that the troops are going to come? But he didn't. He trusted Hashem, right? So this is the standard story of of Kamzutovah, right? Everything is for the best. Because really, you just don't know how it's going to work out, but it always works out for the best. Okay. Yeah. Water question. Go ahead. We end up assuming that this is for the best. Like we always see these stories, and like the end is the best. How do we know this actually is the best? Maybe it could have been better for him. Then. Oh, it could have been better. He got captured. Wait, then... <laughs> that's rough stuff. That's rough. Could have been better. All these other things sounded pretty rough too, and then they ended up being good. How do we know that what seems is good? Okay, okay. It just seems like right, let me qualify. Let me qualify. Okay. Everything that God does is good. I shouldn't say the best. I mean, I think that, but that's not what it says. You think it could have been better? I'm I guess just saying that each time the story is telling it's good, not bad. And then it does allow us to come to a conclusion. That what? It's saying it's telling us don't come to a conclusion for the events that have happened, and then it does allow us to come to a conclusion. Story saying, don't think that when something bad happens, it's bad. When events happen, don't jump to a conclusion. Don't jump to a conclusion, really, it could be good. Yeah. Right. Then once there's like one part that seems like it's good, and now we allow ourselves to go on which seems like either you can call it a double standard in that way, or it's just not being consistent with logic. Well, okay, go ahead, Ezra. I think maybe that it's not saying specifically that this is necessarily for the good. But it's just trying to show the idea that there's a way bigger framework that we just can't see. And we shouldn't jump to any conclusion because we can't really see that it's bad or good unless <clears throat> until we see the whole picture. Are you saying the picture <clears throat> down the line? It's a bigger picture? Yeah, and even right now. Right when now. You say something's for the best. The right. best is like something that's going to happen. Yeah, like, best we shouldn't say best. We should say good. Because right. David Moore says the top of it. it's good. Right. No, I'm saying I'm saying this too much. The story it comes to me. It's also good. This is also good. Right. It looks bad, but it's also good. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah, I'm saying the story, maybe it's not saying that like really this is necessarily for the bad and other ones necessarily for the good, but it's trying to show you the idea that there's 
bigger picture things that could happen that you don't know about. That can make it go. Yeah. Correct. Okay, fine. Now, <clears throat> okay. Now, it sounds like Rabbi Akiva, right, is a person of a simple faith. And he just trusts that, um, <laughs> and he just trusts that it's always going to be good. He trusts that it's always going to be good. And then, um, and then if, uh, you know, he's right. It's always good. You just have to like look into it a little bit. But Rabbi Kiva is really very well known for the way he died. Rabbi Kiva is one of the Sarayurugim Apas, right? And they peeled off his skin right, while he was in St. Kiyoshma. And, um, and he died a pretty awful death. And I don't know if there's a happy ending to that story. And after he died, the Romans persecuted the Jews during the, uh, the Hadrianic decrees or something along those lines. And um, it was a really an awful, awful period that followed his, his death, right? the failure of the Bakrochva revolt. Rabbi Kiva's capture, and they, they killed him, tortured him to death. And there was no, like, you know, right? So it's, it, there's an irony that Rabbi Kiva is the one to be the Gamzotova, Gamzotova. People like, love to quote the story and say, don't worry, it'll always work out good in the end. But like Rabbi Kiva's life in the end, you know, what do you say about that? Right? Yeah, go ahead. I think the whole point of the story is like exactly not Rabbi Kiva. Okay, go ahead. It's showing you that you don't see the bigger picture and you don't really see everything that's going to happen because of this. So I now we're saying, oh, he died in a painful way and that must be a bad thing. And you're missing the whole entire point of the story. The point of the story is to show you that you can't really see the bigger frame in the bigger picture. So now you're going to say this is bad, but no, the point is you can't say this is bad. Right, sort of. You know, I mean, one time it worked out, another time it didn't. I'm saying you don't know if it did or not. I mean, not for him. Not for his life, yeah. But how do you know whether that's the good or the bad in the bigger picture or what that can lead to? Oh, yeah, the yeah. whole point is that you can't know that. So now you're, you're saying, oh, but I know in this case this must be bad. Okay. Like missing well, well, what I mean to say is... is you have to get a little bit more sophisticated. I think you're in the right direction. And yeah, it's just the Rambam's, probably all the points Rambam's going to have today. I don't know if I end up really be new. We're putting it together so that you have something in mind because bad things do happen. Uh, I mean, of course not. They don't really happen, but right, seemingly bad things do happen. And it's good to have in your mind like a framework, you know, ready-made framework for how to interpret them, how to deal with them. You know, that can be such new points. My main point is, is one of the, um, one of the ways, I think there's a shallow way to do it, where it's to say that person says, I have 100% confidence that really, this is really for the best. Everything God's doing for me is for the best. I just don't see how it is for the best. And it really, it's going to work out just like in the story of Rikiva worked out. For me, it's going to work out also. And sometimes I'll see it as I won't, but it really is always for the best. It's just going to work out, you know? So that I don't think is the case because look, this year Rikiva, it didn't really work out in a classical sense where it worked out. You have to get a little bit more sophisticated. Rabbi Kiva's death. Rabbi Kiva, the story, yeah, it's very obvious. Everybody's going to say Gamzilatova there. He's not going to. It's obvious it worked out in that case. But <clears throat> by his death, you're not going to be able to say that in a simple way. If you're more sophisticated. Okay? Okay. That's just the, the basic background. Um, but again, it, it's again, it's not the deepest share. It's more okay. point this share again. The point of share is not going to be Chiddush. It's more is, is to have these ideas um, a little bit on your fingertips. So you have it in your mind. And there's going to be three points primarily. Get them clear because, again, you want to, when you have this opportunity, hopefully you don't have it too often, 
when you do have it, you want to be able to say this bracha with Basimcha, Dianamis. And these, these I found for myself personally that these this Ram is very helpful. Okay, so again, it's not a Kiddush, but just you want it to be ordered so it's available to you when something happens. Okay. So the Ram is like this. The Ram is, is it's Parak Tasim Brachos, it's Mishnah Hay. So he says like this. He says, Amr Kashim Shimavarcha Tamba. Oh, you know, let me just bring the Ram in the, in the, in the shore. The Ram and the Mishnah Torah first. <laughs> I think he has something a little bit different there, but it's in Hichos Brachos. Ramam says, um, it's Perik Yud, um, Halacha Gimel. He says, if you hear a Shmua Tov, some good news, you say a Tova Metiv. <clears throat> and if you hear bad news, you say Dayanatmas. Right, with Shema Machos, Brachat Hashem Kemachalam Dayanamis. The Chayvadim Mavarach Arab Tovas Nefesh. The person has to be Mavarach on a bad thing with a good spirit, good a good soul, meaning good disposition. Kederach Mavarach Tova Besimcha. Just like you make a bracha on a good thing, Besimcha. Shenemar Ba'Hafta Eis Hashem Lekacha B'Chol Avacha B'Chol Nashcha B'Chol Meodacha. Right, because in the in the mitzvah is because of Avas Hashem is the Mishnah, and the Mishnah is the Mishnah. Um, and included in this like extreme type of love for Hashem, that were commanded right to love Hashem with all our heart and all our soul and all our money, is even when God, God causes you like suffering, you should give hoda you should give praise and thanksgiving and, and recognition of Hashem with a, in, in a happy way. Okay, so this is included in the mitzvah of Hashem. But this is this is this 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 idea that you do you make a bracha when something bad happens. The dynamic besimcha is part of the mitzvah. It's included in the mitzvah of Avas Hashem. So it's not a small it's not a small thing. It's Avas Hashem. It's a big mitzvah, and um, and also it's not it's not a midas chasidus. Okay, we discussed that right earlier today. This is not a midas chasidus. It's a chayiv. It's a chayiv. So the fact that you have to make a bracha, a dynamis, the simcha, the two vlev, just the way you make a, 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 on a on good news, a tova metiv, that's a chiv. So it means it's not it's not a means chasis. This is not something that um, we expect only a select group of elite people to be able to accomplish. This is something that's your chayv and avas Hashem. It's included in the mitzvah and it's a chiv on every single person. Now it's not necessarily so easy. To do, obviously, it's it's difficult to to accomplish, but it's not something that we think that only some people are able to do. In theory, everybody's able to do this. Okay, and that's again why I think it's important. <clears throat> I'll get to the other reason at the end. Why I think it's also important practically, but again, Avas Hashem and Tzachiyim. So how do you accomplish this? So the Rambam now says like this. Um, he's like this. What does it mean you make a bracha on the bad just like you make a bracha on the good? So you have to accept it with happiness and you overcome your emotions because your initial emotional reaction when you hear something bad about yourself, about others, is your initial most reaction is that it's very bad and you have a sinking feeling in your stomach and you don't feel good, you might have anxiety and you, 
right? So that's, you have to overcome that. You have to basically be able to conquer your uh, emotions and you should like to settle your mind, right? Gain your composure when you make a bracha dynamis. Okay, so that's, that's the, his, his, his steps there, to accept it happily, overcome your emotions and settle your mind, to be able to think clearly. The point where you look, that you appear as if you're making a bracha, it looks the same. Right, well, it's like this Kamara, that whatever whatever Hashem does is for is, is good. So just one line, I don't know what exactly what he's talking about. Saying this is something that's like muskal, it's like evident uh, by people who are understanding, even though the Torah doesn't warn against it. Okay, so I don't know what he means by Avishalos here, love Torah. Because the Mishnah and the Rabbah himself say it's part of after Avas Hashem. So what does he mean, Avishalos here, love Torah? Rabbi, yeah. a question. If we're supposed to like accept this nude, accept this news, Besimcha, uh, then why do we do Kriya and Shiva and all that when somebody dies? Like, why do we have this whole mourning process? Why don't we just go, why don't we just, you know, put on a happy face and move on? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I asked Rabbi that once. Bad answer, though. That's a good question. Right. I recently asked, like, oh, yeah, you were there? Uh, how do we, I worked it out, something, you had some idea, no? Good question, Aaron. Yeah, what was the idea there? Oh. Because the Avelis the, the is supposed to be, is Aninas Palev. Yeah, different qualities. Different qualities, different qualities? Well, I mean, to some degree, this is the anomalous approach, meaning if something bad happens, naturally we feel it. Maybe in terms of what the Roman was setting up, he's saying the goal is get to Barstein Hamas. So maybe it's more saying, how do we get through that when we understand that we truly have emotions? There's a proper processing framework. Right. <clears throat> right. And then you could say this is the first step when you make the bracha. But it doesn't mean that you deny the emotions. It just means that the moment when you hear the news, you have to temporarily overcome the emotions and make the brach on the proper state of mind. But like, obviously, if something bad happens and you have to be able to be honest with yourself and adjust to those emotions. It just means that it doesn't dominate you to the point where you can't make a brach of a simple. Say, Shir Lashem. Yeah, what do you want to say? Something like that? Okay. Maybe I think it's something deeper. I just don't remember. Maybe it's something a little better. It's a few months ago. Good question, Aaron. You'll remember. Okay. So Ram is, uh, Ram, Ram is a little bit confusing here, but the way I'm going to learn it is that he's giving three different approaches almost. And they work <clears> together <throat> in a sense, but they're independent. They work together, complement each other. Okay. He says like this. Um, okay. Forget that. So <clears throat> I think like this. The first thing is... Um, okay. So the first thing is like this. Is, is Koma Dabal Mishmael Latav. Okay, so he's, he's um, okay, I'll read a little further, and I want to show you, I think these are two different things. The first thing is this idea of, of, of everything that God does is really good, okay? Then I think this is the next thing is, is the second thing, okay? Is Lefi, I think it's going to be a second reason, I'll explain to you why. 
a lot of things seem bad at their beginning. But in the end of the day, they bring a lot of good things. It ends up being good. Okay, so that, that's what, like you would say, okay, that's what it means. Everything is for the good. It means it works out in the best in the end. But if you look at it, he goes on. And a lot of things seem good in the beginning. But they end up being very, very bad. And therefore, because of this fact, the things that are good end up being bad. Things that are bad end up being good. It's not appropriate for an, an under, intelligent person to like be suffering when something went bad, some bad sorrow, uh, uh, some bad uh, affliction or whatever, or xera, bad, a bad xera, a dangerous thing, a decree comes. You don't know where it's going to end up with. Are you going to go drive yourself nuts and crazy? You don't know whether it's going to be bad or not. Right? You shouldn't be um, seduced and tricked and to be excessively happy. When something good happens, be excessively happy or you're, you're, you're wild, exuberant, joyous, beyond belief. You don't really know how it's going to end up. Okay. To really increase too much in joy and laughing and where it's excessive. Except if it's um, if it's in the case of something which is like um, like a perfection, a mitzvah. But just um, your personal, your personal um, something personally good happens to you. It's like usher to get so excessively happy and jo- and just like uh, wild out of your mind, like that type of extreme, extreme happiness when something good happens on a, just on a personal level. If it's because of like, um, it's a mitzvah, it's something good about it, objectively, then fine, you could be very happy. Simply say in the mikdash, simply space of shaliba. But your personal life, to be extreme, the extreme happiness is asar. And also the other ways also, but there's also an insert to be like depressed, and sad by just personal things. Okay, to be too extreme. You might think, like, it's an issue of Midos. It's not like an issue of Tariyag Mitzvahs. <clears throat> it means that for a person to be excessively either get very depressed when something bad happens to them on a personal level, it doesn't mean, like, Korban bias. When it's like, the Mikdash is destroyed, we get very upset, we get depressed. But it means, like, in a personal event in your life, be excessively, you know, really uh, depressed, that's also, to, it's, it's an issue of Deos, issue of character traits. And to be excessively happy, it's also very necessary. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'll, go, I'll go a little further. But I think you have to distinguish this from the um, first thing he says, is that Chazal um, said, and that's something that's self-evident uh, by the Nivonim, intelligent people, even though Torah doesn't warn about it. I don't know what that phrase, even Torah doesn't warn about it is. But I think that's different because... It can't be he's saying that things work out in general because he says the opposite. He says a lot of things seem like they're good and they end up being bad. Right? And everything that follows there is saying you don't get excessively happy, you don't get excessively depressed. You don't get depressed because it might end up being good. You don't get too happy because it might end up being bad. You don't know how things are going to work out. But there's no difference between good and bad. Right? Things that are good turn out bad. Things that are bad turn out good. How did things turn out bad? Well, nothing's really bad. I know, but he says there are a lot of things that seem really good and they turn out bad. And therefore, when something good happens to you personally, you shouldn't get too excited about it because maybe it will be bad. Bad to you. He's asking, I thought we said that there's no such thing as something bad. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. It certainly means bad to you. Bad to you, right? Correct. So, I mean, like, uh, you <clears throat> say you realize that that is a good thing also, or we're bringing good things, whatever it is. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So, on a most basic level, you, you have to be able to use. I mean, this is what's going to happen. The, the word, the word, good and bad, is going to have different levels of interpretation. Okay. So on a personal level, where your your emotions your emotions follow your personal things that are good and bad. That's like the framework of your emotions. The relative compared to others, the framework that you you live in, whether it's it's money or it's taiva or it's kava, whatever the things that you care about on a personal level, um, that's where your emotions are going to follow. And things that are good and bad in that framework generate sadness and depression versus happiness and joy and things like that. That's just the reality of who we are. Now, in that framework, the Rambam saying that um, it's okay to be happy or sad, but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be excessive because um, it shouldn't be excessive because you should realize this is not it's not certain. You don't really know how it's going to turn out. I mean, this recognition that even though it seems really good now, I don't really know that this is going to work out. That helps temper. It helps temper your joy. You don't get so happy. And when it seems like things are really bad and you're starting to get depressed, the fact that you realize that it's sometimes, I remember cases where things were look really bad, but end up being good. That helps you not get too extreme. So this idea of keeping in mind that a lot of times these things end up reversing and going to the opposite. The, the point of that is so that the emotions don't become too extreme. The problem with the emotions becoming too extreme, like you become either manic or depressive, that's what I'm really trying to avoid. It's mania, <clears throat> mania or depression. It's, it's those types of emotions. They're not regular emotions. They're, they're emotions where um, your entire self becomes completely bound up in the emotion and you can't um, escape from them. The person who's, who's, ma- who's manic, he's like totally... The, the excitement is completely taken over his mind and he's like unable to separate his mind from the emotion. The person who's completely depressed can't separate your mind from the emotion. That's why a person can't have nevua if he's depressed because also kas, kas is the other one. But it's like there's certain emotions when they're very extreme where they just take over the person completely and then he becomes a prisoner of that emotion. And the idea is it's, it's really an iser to an iser of deus for either one of those two emo- extremes to completely take over the person. And when he's under the spell of those emotions, then he can't. Then you can't conquer your emotion. And we'll, be, you know, we'll describe a little bit more. But it's just impossible to conquer. You can't step back. You can't overcome. It. You can't separate yourself from the emotion. And the method, the, one of the method is um, the Rambam's using to weaken the emotion, to to kind of put it in perspective, is just to recognize that a lot of times it seems really good, but these things don't work out. When you're uh, when you're person, you see yourself getting really carried away something really good and your personal success or whatever it is, keep in mind a lot of times it seemed like it was going to be good and you end up falling, you end up not working out. And likewise, when you're getting depressed, the things that you realize it looks bad, but sometimes things end up being, you know, being good. Remember the Rebbe Akiva story. Okay, so that doesn't, it doesn't mean it's going to be good this time or it's going to be bad this time or, you know, the reverse. It just means that it's like once a person has that perspective, you won't get trapped in the emotion. And I think that, that, that's the point of that one. Yeah, Ezra? Is there ever a time where these extreme emotions are good? <clears throat> it seems like basically where you're dealing with something outside of yourself. Like if you're dealing with Chorban Abayas, then you get depressed. If you're dealing with uh, Simpas Beis Shareva, you know, and they're, they're dancing in the base of Mikdash, 
then you could be happy. So that's what we do with like mitzvahs, a simcha shal mitzvah. But still, wouldn't it be a problem to have your emotions, your mind caught up in your emotions? You know, it's, it's, it, it'll be excessive. It will be very extreme emotions, but it won't trap your, yourself. Yourself won't get trapped in it because it's not personal. It's going to be something outside of yourself. So it won't, you won't get locked into it. You can have the very extreme emotions of happiness and sadness um, when, it's, when it's justified by reality, but you won't get trapped in it. Good question. I mean, can people get trapped in the Corbin of bias? Well, that's that story. I think it was Rabbi Yochanan. That the generation after Chorban Abayas, they didn't want to eat meat or drink wine for like at all. They said, you know, why not? They said, how could we ever um, eat meat when the 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 carb of the bizbeach, where they used to sacrifice all the all the animals, is bottle? How could we drink wine when the nesachim they used to pour wine on the bizbeach? It's gone. He said, okay, but what about bread? I can eat bread because uh, the the, the menachos made out of wheat. You know, so they said, you know, what? you're right, Rabbi Yochanan, no more bread for us. You know, he said, you know, you shouldn't have any oil because of the, um, as the, the Shem, the menorah, no more oil. Say, what about water? Nisa Chamayim, the friend of Nisa Chamayim. So, okay, now, nah. all right, fine. He said, hey, we hear your point. What, what are you supposed to do about it? He said, look, he said, it's impossible. The Mikdash is destroyed. All you can really do is you have to be Misabel, the way Chazal set it up, where you do, um, during, you know, Shur Shechalbo, you have the Surim, and Tishabav, you have the Surim. And the rest of the year, you have the, 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 the chronos, you leave a part of your wall on plaster, things like that. And you, you have to like live within the boundaries that Chazal or Kovair for you. Because a person has, there's good parts of your life, bad parts of your life. You can't get trapped in any one emotion. So even Chorban Abayas, you really can't get trapped in. I just think that um, <clears throat> so you, you really don't want to get trapped even in, 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 a, in something, something as serious as Chorban Abayas. I just think the, the, the powerful emotion you can you, you apparently apparently to get in the extreme emotion let's say on tish above um if a person has that boundaries of chazal it's not going to get trapped in. and the same thing with like the simcha on circus let's say it's not going to get it's not going to get stuck in it when the mitzvah is over then the he'll go back to being normal right but if it's a personal tragedy that you're getting stuck in and you get really let the emotion get the best of you and get extreme in either direction, then you you can get stuck in it. It's you're not going to be able to extricate yourself from it later on. So you know, I think in general there's the idea of not getting stuck in emotion, but it seems like when it's a personal um, success or tragedy, that has a greater tendency for it to be completely person um, to get completely trapped in the emotion. And therefore, in those moments when it happens, is to keep in mind that these things oftentimes reverse. Oftentimes there's silver linings or they end up being the exact opposite of what they seem. And that just helps you realize this is not an absolute. The tragedy is not absolute and the joy and the success is not absolute. These things are often relative and they change and they're not permanent and they pass through time and gives you a certain perspective. Mm-hmm. Important to do that. Without, without doing that, without, without that recognition, you can't, you have to attack the emotion in the personal framework. Okay, we're going to do two other things. But it's, it's even in the framework of the personal without shifting your values, which is the other methods or your perspective. Just even in the framework of the personal, oftentimes it's the opposite of what you think. It looked bad, ended up being amazing, or a Kiva story, but look the great, it's the opposite. Okay. <clears throat> I'll say it like this. Is the first thing in the Rambam where he's saying it's Dover Muskali Sonavonim. The people who are intelligent, it's the exact opposite of what they say. And Gamzlotova. 
See, I, I think that's a different idea. I think that's the idea of like a um, taking a cosmic perspective on the thing. So a lot, a lot of times you, you, you view the thing as bad as judged from your perspective. From your, your perspective, um, this wasn't good. But in the framework of the creation, the universe as a whole, these things are good, right? So the, the famous is, is um, they said that in, they found in Remeir Sefer Torah, um, I guess it written in the margins where it says, by an uh, they saw that everything, uh, that Hashem saw everything he made at the end of, uh, uh, it, says, it was all, it was very good, Tov Mode. Remeir had written on the margin, Tov Mavis, that death is good. Okay, even death is good. <clears throat> so how is death good? So Ram talks about the Mora, I think, but I think for modern uh, modern biology, we can really see is that like a, um, the whole method of life and biology and evolution, and natural selection, it works with death. Like the way you get the way you get life is because of death. If there's no such thing as death, we know there would be no such thing as life. Nothing would ever evolve. Nothing would ever develop and change and grow and become better. The very method of biology developing, the whole existence of life, is predicated on the fact that things replicate and things that are better than others at surviving they survive longer to replicate more and things that are not good die and that process of death is what allows natural selection to occur and biology to 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 evolve and things to grow and to change and species to differentiate and like without the phenomena of death like you just there would be no such thing as life and the same thing with human beings if human beings didn't die then the reason, the reason why your organs function and they, they, they do what they do is because they're a long process of evolution where people who weren't as good, they died. And that causes human beings to develop good, good genes um, in general. And, you know, through death operating on variation in the, gen, in the genome, that's what really selects for, you know, highly adapted species who have good lives in general, good existences. And like death, which is the most, in a certain sense, the most obvious thing that's bad. Once you take a perspective, not like of your own personal life and your friend or your relative, whoever died, we take the perspective of the role of death in the Bria, the role of death in, in science. You realize it's a good thing. You take away, you, you couldn't have biology. You couldn't have life if there's no such thing as death. It's, it becomes an essential part of, of the creation. Now, <clears throat> you, you don't always, you're not you're always able to see it. But the idea is that to like, um, when you judge things, not from your personal perspective, but from the framework of the laws of nature, of, of life on earth or the physics or, you know, the planet as a whole or, or the universe, these things are all necessary. The laws are all necessary. There's no extra things in the laws and they work together in a marvelous way. And the, and the Bria as a whole is amazing, tov mode, when you look at the, the creation as a whole. And you have to realize on an objective level, you can't really judge things from your personal perspective. If you want to judge, is did everything does God do is good? It's tov mode. Everything God does is objectively good. Now, your personal perspective, things might look bad from your personal perspective, but that's not a objective thing. And the, the idea is to shift is is the first thing to do. I kind of skipped this, but the first thing to do is attempt to shift out of your personal framework. With the um, maybe the second thing you do. First thing you do is in your personal framework, recognize it's not absolute. Could be bad thing will be good, good thing will be bad. The second thing is once you've done that, then you um, can shift out of the personal framework and realize that it's true. This whole thing was my personal perspective. Once you're not under the grips of the emotion, you could try to take a, take a perspective that in a, in a certain, in an objective sense, 
This is really good. All these things are good. This is the way that God made the world, and it has to be this way. Really, would, it wouldn't have been better had it been different. So maybe it doesn't benefit you personally, but on an objective level, it is a good thing. Everything really, it really is good. And um, in a sense, like the Rabbi Akiva story, right? The Rabbi Akiva story. So the um, when Akiva died, it says the Malachi Ashari said to Kashbarko, you know, the, the Piet we say on the Asari Yamachos, they said, this is the Torah, this is the Sar. Hashem said, be quiet, one more word from you, and I'm going to turn the world back to Tovavahu. Right, uh, turn the world back to nothing. So the idea is even Rabbi Kiva's death, it's not necessarily obvious how, that's not one of the cases where it ended up working out for the best in a personal way for Rabbi Kiva. <clears throat> and it's not something, how that worked out, why that's necessary, why that's a good thing. It's not something that we could see. It's not something that anybody could see. Malachi Sharis couldn't see it. But sometimes the knowledge of the creator, of God himself, he realizes why Rabbi Kiva being killed in that way, that's a necessary part of the creation. And if you want to remove that, it's not the world isn't going to work. It's not going to accomplish its purpose, what God wants it to do. It might not be obvious to you, it might not be obvious to the Malachi Asharis, but it's necessary. So on an objective plane, it's a good thing. And you try to remove it, you destroy the whole world. Again, why that is the case, we don't know. But it's the point is, is once you've mitigated your personal emotions by realizing that absolute, then you're able to view it from this objective, broader perspective in which the thing really is good. That's enough. No. Okay. In in what sense is it is it uh, ultimately good? Like usually when we say that something is good, we mean good in that it leads to some desired end. So what is that ultimate end in which this in which everything is good for? Well, let's say they take the case of death. So you would say is that the ultimate end is let's say biology, life, right? Let's say that's God. He wants to create life, animals and uh, trees and plants and people. And death is a critical component of nature existing the way God wants it to exist. In a good way, we, I think we would all agree that planet Earth is good and life is a good thing, right? Good in the sense of it's a nice part of existence. It's, it's a you know, diverse uh, uh, new framework of complex existences that we are very happy about. We can agree is a good part of the creation. Um, and without death, you don't have life on, on, you don't have life on Earth. So uh, that's what I mean. Just, you know, in terms of God's objective in creating a universe, like you have to be willing, you have to be willing to say in, like the word tov, the word good on a uh, objective plane really just means all different types of existences are good. It doesn't, it, it doesn't necessarily have a moral ethical sense to it, but mode. So everything, whole universe is good. All the different components. If you're not judging the universe from your personal perspective, and you can look back and just see the, all the galaxies and the stars and the planets and the plants and the trees and the, and the, and the animals. It's all good. It's, it's an amazing, wonderful universe. And we're happy we it exists. And it's, 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 a, it's good. You can imagine a bad universe, a bunch of particles bouncing around with nothing interesting happening. But, um, but the universe we have is not like that. It's beautiful, complex, structured, ordered, fine-tuned. Right? It's got, it's got great things going on in it. And then that, that's, um, that's a good universe. And, and the things that you think where why do why do God make that part of the universe? Why do things have to die? <clears throat> if you think into them, sometimes you can figure it out. Sometimes science advances, you're able to understand it. You realize it's an essential part of the whole thing. And death is an essential part of life. You couldn't have life without death. So it wouldn't work. I don't know if they could have understood this, you know, 300 years ago, but once you have the theory of evolution, you understand why you couldn't just have things living. It wouldn't, there's no such thing 
no such thing as uh, you never get a chicken if you don't have death. You know, you never, nothing evolves into a chicken. The whole method of biology, the very, it's, it's a, a fantasy a person thinks God could have just made uh, a bunch of, that's not what life is. So it's not the Chachma, the Chachma behind life. If you want a thing to be created through Chachma, not just a magic trick, the method of the Chachma behind the whole biological sphere is, is evolution and, and death is an essential component component of it. To take death out of the thing, you lose the whole biosphere. Okay. But again, that's, that's what I'm saying, these first two parts. There's a third part, but the first two parts is, is you first have to not get trapped in the emotion on personal framework by recognizing that your ability to judge it is very limited because you only see the here and now. You don't see the future and the future things reverse. That's what allows you not to be caught up on a personal framework. Then once you've done that, you can try to shift and look at things from a broader because cosmic objective perspective. And that framework, you realize even this was good. It wasn't good for you personally, but it, at least in the short term, the immediate, as far as you can tell. But in an objective level, it is a good thing. So when you're making the bracha, you realize that you make a dynamis, it's simcha tov lev. It's part of the thing is you realize it might not even be a bad thing. And even if it seems bad for me on an objective level, it's a good thing. Everything is good. It's all part of nature, part of the way God made the world, and it's really a good thing. Okay? Okay. And then the last thing, the last ingredient is like this. <clears throat> okay, and all this is talking about if that person is not um, living it in, in the good from the beginning to the end, and the person, a person thinks from the outside perspective, it looks like this guy is living it up, he's got the greatest life, and he's very successful. Um, and that that um, and more imagined fortunate situation really could be a cause for a person to be withheld from the true good. Okay, and that could be sometimes these things, uh, these good things could be a cause of a person being uh, driven out of Amaba. Sometimes there's a seems to be like a straight path for a person, and really it's the end of that path is like death and destruction. Like prepare. Prepare his mind, or either direct his mind. So he should be mevakish from Akash Baruch It's like a bakasha. Ramam throughout is, is, is commentaries. And he always he throws in little, little appropriate types of tefillahs you should have. Marnaguchi does it a few times. Is the, like the types of things a person should daven for. It's very often not the kind of things that we daven for. But um, what a person should daven for, he should ask Hashem that everything that happens to him in this world, whether the good things and the bad things, in the personal framework, they should, be, uh, they should ultimately be causes. They should... They should be the, the cause of the true good in Olam Abba. Okay, so that, that's the third ingredient. Third ingredient is, is that you have to evaluate the thing, not from um, like a physical, personal, emotional perspective, but you have to evaluate, is this thing really good for me or bad for me in the true perspective? In terms of my soul, does this benefit my soul? Does it harm my soul? And um, sometimes when you reflect on something, it seems like it's a really good thing for you. You win the lottery. You win the lottery. 
<clears throat> so does that really necessarily benefit them? So first of all, you have that other thing. A lot of times you're in the lottery, all of a sudden you lose your good, the real friends that you used to have, you kind of forget about them. All of a sudden you acquire a bunch of new friends that aren't really good friends. And it really becomes terrible. You end up losing the money you don't have to invest and it becomes a disaster for the person. That's one perspective. But the other is, is now you need, is you're gonna get caught up in Taivas. You're caught up in pursuing wealth and now you're competing with other people, things like that. Is that really a good thing for a person? There could be such a person who is successful in life and fortune life, never suffers any uh, failures, any setbacks, things like that. But that causes him to per- keep pursuing it. He's like on a straight path. He's a straight path to hell. He's not, uh, uh, w- w- sometimes what gets a person, a person's on a bad path in life, a bad path he's going to, he's not perfecting himself. He's not pursuing that, which is really truly valuable to perfect his, his true self, his, his, his soul. What gets a person off of that path is failures. Is when things don't work out, when things break down. If things keep working out and things keep being successful, a guy keeps making money. And as you say, when, when in trading, the worst thing used to happen to a guy, especially when he first started trading, um, the, you know, the worst thing that happens to a guy is that he does something foolish, he takes a risk, and he makes money. You know, I remember, remember a guy is, is, is very common is people um, don't like to take losses. They don't want to take losses. And if you, you know, when you start trading, you think the market always comes back, you know, and 9,900 times the market's going to come back. So if you buy a, buy something at a, you know, buy something at $10 and now it's trading $9 and 50 cents, you hold on and eventually come back to $10 and 10 cents. You make money. So I remember a guy through the first week of trading, he never took a loss, never took a loss. He would buy something at $10. If it went up, he'd sell it, make money. You know, if it went down, he'd wait, 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 eventually come back. And so, you know, and for that first week, I never took a loss, made a lot of money. If you, if you only take profit, you never lose any money. You make a lot of money, right? And he's going for a week. And you just say, he's like, you guys are stupid. I, I said, this is the easiest thing in the world. And just gonna be, for that week, the market just kept trading in a range. And when it's trading in a range, yeah, it works. Okay. But the next week, the thing, the thing collapsed. You know, <laughs> he lost all his money, everything, uh, and more. Owed the, owed the clearinghouse money. Got completely wiped out, you know. And um, and a week later came back, <laughs> but, he, but he, he had no money left because they forced him to sell. Okay, so he lost all his money, every last dime of it, you know. And um, and it was a disaster for him. The disaster was the fact that the first time, you know what I mean, is when a person does something stupid. The best thing that can happen for them is that they suffer consequences, that they lose money, that they'll learn a lesson. You know, we used to call that that's education. It's just calling, it's paying education. When you do something foolish in trading. And you lose money, that's how you remember it. If you gain money, you're going to remember it as, as, as a good thing. You know, the best thing is when you do something well, that you make money. When you do something stupid, that you lose money. <clears throat> and of course, it doesn't always work that way. But this is Rambam. There's sometimes a person is so successful, it's a disaster for the person. It'd be much better if he failed, because then at least he'd have to cause him to reflect and to think. Is this really the right way of life? What am I keep pursuing this thing? It's empty. It has all these pitfalls, things like that. But if the person just happens to be one of those guys gets lucky, gets very successful, he's not lucky. It's not a lucky thing. It's a very unfortunate thing for that person because he never really gets this opportunity to get off this, this highway to hell and to, to take reevaluate his life. And that's the rounds me up this point is that when something bad happens to a person, you have to evaluate. Is it truly bad? Or is it actually, this is a good thing. This is actually going to, I'm going to learn a lesson from this thing. This is actually going to, perfect my soul, I'm going to really gain from this thing. 
So that's that's the other thing you have to do is you have to be able to evaluate this. Is this good for you? That even if you're gonna look in your own, in a sense, personally yourself, evaluate this in terms of yourself, whether it's good or bad for yourself. It doesn't say it doesn't go by. Uh, did you make money? Did you lose money? Is is this good for your perfection? Is this bad for your perfection? So a lot of times <clears throat> it's the exact opposite. A lot of times that which is good for your perfection is bad for your wallet. It is bad for your your physical body. A person is you know person is, is is you know you know a person chasing after uh, you know a person has a heart attack right? A person's a baltai, but they have a heart attack. So it, it, that's that scares them straight. They cause them to reflect on life. Why am I? I can't control my taivas. I keep eating. I can't do all these problems. So then the heart attack really is good for them. It, you know, you know, so is is to evaluate these things. And again, I think a lot of people do realize these things. They recognize this. The, the world recognizes these points. It's just, I think it's important to kind of, in a sense, memorize these points, these three points, is that when something bad happens is, first of all, the first thing you have to do is really, again, tamper down the emotion. Step one is to realize even in your own personal little subjective world where you're the center of the universe and you're judging everything by your old, your, 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 your non-perfected framework of what's good, what's bad is money and kavod and taiva. Even in that framework, a lot of times things reverse and they have the exact opposite. They have to be consistent. That works for bad things just like good things. So things that look bad and you're getting and you're getting depressed, don't get so depressed. Things that look seem good, don't get don't get manic, don't get too excited. Because these things reverse. Okay, important to be consistent, not to just be. It only I, one thing is is these things when they are symmetric, it, it, it's a kind of it's a cloud god that happens a lot in life. These types of things when they're symmetric, good and bad things, you can only work on them. You can't be when you're depressed. You, whenever something bad happens, you're depressed. Then you say, you know, some of these things reverse. Some of them being good. When things are good, you're like, ah, it's amazing. And I don't want to think about it. it. Could be bad. You have to be able to be consistent. If if you work on when it's really good, you take a step back and you say, I'll roast some hussy. That these things that seem amazing are not always amazing. Sometimes they're they're bad. Then when it's bad, you'll be able to do it and say, sometimes it'll be good. You got to be consistent with yourself. Otherwise, you're just like you're lying to yourself. Okay. So and it's much easier to it's it's easier to do when it's something very good. To reflect and say, you know what, this thing seems really good, but it might end up being bad. That's easier to do than something bad. Say it's good, but it's if you work on it when it's good, something good, and say maybe it'll be bad, then it'll be much. Then when something bad happens, it'll be more genuine, have a much more genuine effect on your emotions. We say maybe it'll be good. I guess it's important to work on it on both sides. I guess why the Rama brings it down, even though for the purposes of Mishnah, it's really only the bad thing. That's step one. That's what breaks the emotion in your personal framework. If you don't do that first, you're never going to be able to move beyond the personal framework. You have to break the absolute sense that this thing is really terrible and, and awful by showing by knowing that these things reverse. That's step one. <clears throat> step two is, I think, and is is um, is to say, am I truly judging this in the framework that really matters to me? My judging is in the framework of superficial values of money and Ivan Kavod or whatever it is. Um, or and in that framework it seems bad, but in a true framework of my soul, is it a good thing? There'd be a kiva when he's uh, being tortured to death. It is probably the master. You know, you know how, how do you how do you understand this? You know, and he says, my whole life I've been waiting for this. I wanted to know whether I really be able to be give up my life for Kiddush Hashem. And he is saying Shema Yisrael Hashem or Kiddush Hashem So for Rabbi Akiva, now we're not on his level. But for Rabbi Akiva, that was a good thing. This was the ultimate. He was hoping this is the kind of life he wants. The kind of death he wanted to have, where he's able to give up his life. It's a meaningful death. 
where he gives up his life for Kiddush Hashem. So for him, yes, it's physically painful, but for him, this was the greatest possible death that he could have had because in the framework of his soul, this was the ultimate expression of his Avas Hashem. Right? So <clears throat> that it's again, it's not the Gamzu Tova of the Gemara case, Rabbi Kiva. That happens also, but there's also the framework of it's a good thing for Rabbi Kiva in the framework of his soul, even though if you judge it, framework of his physical body, it's not a good thing. The framework of his soul, it's the greatest good. That's the second move. Once you get out of the personal, to shift to, you're still centered on yourself, but not your petty self, not your lower self, yourself in a a higher self of of the soul. Okay? And then the third thing is just to try to remove yourself from being self-centered, from the perspective of, is this good or bad relative to me? It's viewed is even if when you make the bracha is recognized that on an objective framework, a cosmic pr- uh, perspective from the framework of nature, this thing is a good thing objectively, even if from my own perspective, it's not good. And I think you keep these three things in mind, run through them in your mind when something bad happens, and then you make the bracha, then you're in a much better position to say dynamis, simcha, to lave, and kabbal it, and to really accept that it really is a good thing. It's saying the have me that you even make a tova, make them on something bad. So we don't do that because we make a dynamis because the way your emotions, brachos are geared to your emotions. Your emotions experience this as a bad thing. It needs to be for them. It's dynamics. But, and that's the framework of the, the brachos formulated. But the way you accept it has to be in the framework of simcha and, and dope. Yes, it seems like a bad thing on a personal level, but there's these frameworks, the, the, these three ideas that help you accept it and be macabre for simcha. Yeah. Okay. Any, um, any questions on the general idea? Okay, very good. There's one more point I wanted to mention. Um, it's an important point from the whole, the whole, um, the whole idea, is that very often that happens to a person is that the way you interpret an event, the way you accept the event, whether it's good or bad, especially a bad event, um, is if you accept in the right framework, it's very often that's the critical factor for whether it actually becomes good for you in terms of your personal growth or even in terms of turning it around in a very personal framework, is if you accept it, if you get broken down by it, if you get depressed by it or overwhelmed by it, then it, it does overwhelm a person and breaks the person down. But if you can accept in the right framework, but simply you have the right perspective on it, then objectively it's a good thing, and, and really this could be good for your own Abba. And if you look for opportunities to interpret in the right way and you accept it simcha, then it really does become a good thing for you. It's not just it's not just a, a game. Like m- more often than not, um, events in terms of their long-term consequences are not really fixed. They have the opportunity to go one way or the other, irrespective of how good or bad they look in the short term. And the primary determinant is the person's reaction to it, how he accepts it, how he relates to it, what he does with it. And therefore, like this proper perspective of being mevarech b'simcha, of dynamis, it's the, the critical factor for whether this ends up being a good thing or a bad thing for you um, in terms of, you know, in, in, in the true framework. Um, and just the last point, just all these ideas I worked out with Mechavrusa um, Rabbi Jonathan Siskovic, and he really pushed, you know, we had nice back and forth to try to work out these Rambams, kind of a difficult to read, and it was, it was with him that we uh, worked out these ideas.